Good morning. Finish eating while we get started here. That'll be fine. Uh, Tim is out of town. He just started a new job on Monday and found out he had to be in Tampa today and tomorrow. Uh, and he is actually thinking about us, apparently, as he's in the air this morning. So uh, I'm John Sharp, for those who don't know me. Uh, Tim will be back next time. Uh, it, it's great to see the number who are here this morning, and it's a great opportunity for all of us as we get to know each other a little better. And without name tags, we actually have to ask who each other is. <laughs> or, in my case, let's see who I am. But uh, hopefully as we start out the new year, as Mike mentioned on Sunday, um, just I don't, I don't do uh, resolutions. And I can't even pronounce the words you used. Okay. Yeah, I heard how you ended it. Uh, but I just do, I focus on something during the year and try not to forget it within the first two days. That's what happens with my resolutions. But take a, take the time to do that. And it's a great time for us to get to know and to mentor other men. Uh, as we step forward in our journey with Christ. Um, that, that's one of the messages that Tim mentioned to me as we talked earlier this week when he was asking me to uh, fill in this morning. Our speaker uh, this morning, and I'm going to go through, Tim asked me to share something personal with his relationship with Scott this morning. So I told Scott I'm going to take almost as long as he does in his talk. I'll do it quickly. Uh, but Scott Mulkey, I'm sure some most of you folks here probably already know him. Scott, Catherine, and their three daughters live here in Roswell. Scott is a member of the Foundations class, and he is vice president of National Retail Sales Drug and Value Channels. Got that right? Uh, he's been with Coca-Cola uh, since 1998, and he is a graduate of Georgia, which some of you folks have heard of. Okay. Uh, Tim asked me to share this, um, and it'll, it, it explains his relationship with Scott. Uh, and again, this is from Tim Kittredge. Scott has been a dear friend of mine since I joined the church in 2000. He is one of the original members of our foundation Sunday school class. His wife, Catherine, and their three beautiful daughters have faithfully attended and been engaged at the church for many years. One of the reasons that I invited Scott to share with the RUMC men's group today is he has had a tremendous impact on my own personal faith journey. If it were not for him and Catherine, I am not sure if I would still be at uh, Roswell Methodist and in turn have the relationship with God that I do today. The vision of the RUMC men's group is to bring the men of the church together so that we can walk together and encourage one another to take the next step along our respective faith journeys. I've been blessed to have Scott walking with and encouraging me for the last 15 years. Scott probably does not even understand or is fully aware of the way that God has worked through him and his wife to touch my life and the lives of others at RUMC. See, the Mulkies have a gift for the type of radical hospitality that Dr. Long is encouraging. Thanks be to God, I have been the recipient of their love over the years. When I met Scott and Catherine, I was just recently born again and was taking a big step 
for me at that time in joining a Sunday school class. In the early years of our class, while many of us were growing in our faith, the fellowship was perhaps the greatest allure to the Foundation's group in leading the way in creating and developing that fellowship with the Maltese. Whether it was inviting us over to their house to watch a UGA football game, or hosting a retreat at their family lake house, or getting everyone together for pizza, or introducing us to their friends outside of church, or hosting the class Christmas parties, the Mulkies were so generous and kind to me and my wife in the early years of RUMC. They made us feel connected to the church and fostered a sense of authentic and meaningful community among our group. Because I was early in my faith, new to RMC, and had very few friends being still relatively new to Atlanta, their friendship was of tremendous value to me and my wife early in our marriage and our membership here at Roswell. It also has been very influential in the continued growth of foundations. There are others out there who can relate to the blessings that I have received through Scott and Catherine. May God continue to bless and multiply the seeds they have sown. Thanks, Scott, for your friendship, your encouragement, and your hospitality. I give thanks to God for you and Catherine. Sorry I cannot be there today to enjoy the moment, but I look forward to hearing the recording from Doug. In the meantime, I'll be praying for you while on the plane. May God continue to bless you and use you to love others for his glory. Tim. Scott. Well, thank you for that, John. And um, some of what Tim says is right. I, I probably didn't realize um, kind of some of the things that, that Catherine and I, that our friendship and, and what that meant, but uh, Tim and Tara are great people. As you know, Tim has a great energy for this church and for, for God and for this men's ministry, and, and I'm happy to get the chance to, to be a part of this today, too. <coughs> Love seeing some friendly faces out there. A lot of folks I do know and a lot of folks I don't. Yesterday, Tim and I talked on the phone just to sort of reconnect before this morning, and um, and I said, now remind me, Tim, what, what's our what's our purpose of the speakers and, and what, what are we trying to do here? And uh, he said, well, well, it's a couple things. And, and one is, uh, very simply, for more of us to get to know each other, to share our stories, to share who we are, share our path, and just get to know each other a bit more. So I think that's uh, in itself a, a good endeavor. And the second is, uh, you know, as I've prayed about this and, and done a little prep over the last week or so, um, you know, where has God taken you? What does he want you to message about? What things might he'd be leading me to share that could be of use to others. Um, so I, I wanted to weave that in and, and also uh, share a few things that I think um, could be of, of help to others. So I'll just start with my path and just tell a little bit about my life, and you can get to know me a little bit more. Um, we were talking here at the table, small world. Uh, turns out Eric Lee and I are arch rivals, and we didn't even know it. <laughs> <laughs> so I grew up um, in Dawson County, Georgia, just up 400 here, but I went to school at Gainesville City Schools uh, from the time I was in first grade until I graduated as a red elephant in in, uh, in 12th grade. Eric was a North Hall Trojan. And, uh, but the good news is Gainesville usually got the upper hand on that deal, so I feel fine about that. <laughs> Wins money combined. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, as um, as Tim said, um, we my wife uh, 
Catherine and I have three little daughters, and I'll I'll pass around our our Christmas card. You can see our daughters and and kind of see who we are. My wife always gets the credit for figuring out how to make a great looking Christmas card out of uh, our ramshackle family. But uh, uh, it, for me, it started. Uh, my mom is a farm girl from Illinois. Uh, she grew up in a very you know farm community, very simple Lutheran. So I was baptized Lutheran, uh, actually up there in Illinois. We didn't live there, but she flew me up there to be baptized in her little country church up there. And, um, and that was a, a great experience for me very early on. Um, that Lutheran upbringing, um, when I would be up there in the summers with my grandparents, um, they were a very, I hate to use the word devout, but church was a major portion of, of their lives. And, you know, our church there was, call it maybe there was 80 to 100 people there on every Sunday. And, Probably we were related to about 90% of them. And, uh, and there would be prayers for things about like rain and, and, and good harvest and things like that. That wasn't, uh, out of the ordinary. But it, it gave me a, a nice influence to see what that, that type of cohesiveness in, in somewhat of that country type setting was in a farm based community. There was also some oddities, uh, being, uh, almost all of German descent around there. Uh, lots of odd names. Like I was baptized by a man named Elmer. And, uh, there were pastors named Blowdorn and things like that. So that was also, uh, some learning for me. But, uh, as we lived up in Dawson County, uh, my mother was the, uh, uh, music teacher at the Gainesville Middle School. And so she was also then the, uh, choir director and played the organ and piano at our little Methodist church, uh, which is, uh, really close up here to the outlet malls. That's kind of where I grew up. And, but of course, back then it was just all woods. And very, very, very country-type small church. And it was Methodist, but it was so small and country, it might as well have been Baptist. I mean, it was it was uh, sometimes a little bit on the, the fire and brimstone-y uh, type, um, type situation that we'd have there. I can remember once as a kid, um, my sister, who's uh, three years younger than me, this is a Sunday when the pastor was was getting incredibly keyed up about something that he was wanting us to change our ways and uh, and being very firm about it and it was it was getting pretty loud in there and my little sister who I don't know how old she was maybe she was three but she looks up at me and my mom and says I don't like it when Jesus yells. <laughs> So she was getting part of the message. It all hadn't come together just yet, but um, but but that was a great church to grow up into for from a daily or weekly standpoint. Um, a lot of good learnings there, and and a lot of good um, togetherness as we uh, had our had our small little church there. And then I was confirmed Lutheran. Uh, that was something that was very important to my mother. So I went to through the catechism process at the Lutheran Church in Gainesville. And looking back, you know, I was still like just any, you know, 6th, 7th, 8th grader in middle school. You're still in some of that learning phase. And it was um, it was a time that I was still not quite firm in my faith, but I was learning. And it was a chance for us to have that good debate. I'm sure it's the things that happen here during confirmation process as well. Uh, my own daughter is in 6th grade, our oldest, Claire. And, uh, and so she'll be going through that, I believe, beginning next year in 7th grade. And it was a, a great chance for me to start having some of that internal debate and, and learning amongst others as far as really how to have a, a God-centered life 
and really start thinking about what some of the, the main things mean, as well as some of the historical significance. Um, I do have one other thing I wanted to share this morning um, about my childhood. Um, my wife, Catherine, asked me if I was going to tell uh, my whole portion. And um, and I said, yeah, I, I feel like it's a big piece of my life, and, and I might as well tell the whole portion. And uh, the issue that, that I faced as a kid is my father battled alcoholism. And uh, it, it affected our family in, in a lot of different ways. And it's it was always a hard situation. And my dad um, grew up up in the mill town of Dalton. Uh, so when you talk about Rocky Face, I know right where Rocky Face is. Um, his own dad was an alcoholic. Um, um, they were smart people, but they weren't educated people. And... My dad figured out a way to, to work his butt off and get out of that mill town, got himself to the University of Georgia, uh, even um, uh, earned his Ph.D. in poultry genetics, had a, uh, had a good career path, but then uh, could not overcome uh, alcoholism. And it, it made things on our family really tough for a lot of years. Um, my dad was, was without work for a lot of years as a result of his alcoholism, and our family life was, was not good. But uh, I don't look at that always as just a negative thing that I've had to work at or, or overcome or what have you. There are some blessings that have come from, from that childhood. And one of them is uh, something that's something I work at all the time, but also something that has served me well. As my sister and I, as, as we probably fell into this trap of trying to gain his attention and love and I guess, excitement for our life by achieving, it set us down a path of achieving a lot of stuff, and that was good. Um, it got me a lot of different academic growth. Um, the University of Georgia was a great place for me to go to school, but um, there also was a sense of emptiness in that, in that every time we'd achieve something in hopes that it would probably gain more of his love or some type of attention towards us, we wouldn't get it. And there was this sinking hole at the end of that, into that road. And so then you pull yourself back up from that and you try again, you achieve something else, but then there's that hole at the end of that. And that's something that, and I'll talk about that in a little bit more too, but that's, that's probably the, I think, um, one of the books calls it the gash, the, the father son relationship and how important that is in molding a man. But that was my gash that, that I've been working to, to figure out how to overcome that hole. And, um, the good news is, um, as of a couple of years ago, um, my dad became sober, um, and which I actually had very little hope that that would ever happen, but that has now happened. Um, we don't have him quite on the path um, to have a relationship with with God and Jesus, but um, that's called our next step in this in this deal. Um, but we're we're happy about that progression, and that's uh, one step forward we've been able to take on um, on this journey. So I felt like, given that that has shaped a lot of the different things that have happened in my life and choices I've made, I felt like I needed to um, to share that piece of my childhood this morning as well. And thanks for the patience with my emotion there. So um, I kind of broke up my story into a few big blocks. So that's my childhood block. And you can see some of the things that, that shaped who I am and, and my relationship with God uh, mm-hmm. through that childhood block. The next block was... Um, Probably the most important block uh, in my life, and that's um, that's my college block. 
And like a lot of us, I'm sure, uh, who you choose to marry can make the biggest difference in your life. And I got very, very lucky in who I chose. So my wife, Catherine, you saw our picture on the, um, on the, on the Christmas card there. She's from Roswell. This is her home church. She grew up here. We got married here in, uh, in this church. Um, and besides her being probably the greatest influence to shape my spiritual life, seeing her family life was actually something that was really important to me. So not growing up in a household that had all the love that you would want to have and all the harmony and strong parenting from both sides, seeing the Hamlings. Does anybody in here know Jeff Hamling? So so Jeff is my father-in-law. Today is his 70th birthday, as a matter of fact. So, so drive him a call and tell him how old he's getting. <laughs> but that was a huge gift from God to me. Um, getting to see that family in action when I was in college, it was the first time I actually saw, you know, not just surface, but underneath some of the, the real texture of a family and the love that Jeff and Laura share, um, one of the things he said to me early on in my career, he said, I said something about success or what I wanted to achieve at Coca-Cola or, or whatever it might be. And his, his, his comment to me was, was kind of calm, but just sort of nudging me to think about it a little differently. He said, I've always judged success not at the office, but at home. And that's something that, that at the time I probably was young and, and a little too brash. And I thought, oh, well, come on, man. You got to get after it. You got to, you know, I want to, I want to be successful. And, and that, that has stuck with me over these years. And it's been one of those influential things that because I've been able to be exposed to him and learn from him, uh, it's absolutely made me a better man. But, um, that period in college, meeting Catherine and, and becoming, um, um, a married couple and, and seeing her family, that block was very, very influential for, for my spiritual growth and, and what my path has been. The next big block is uh, is once we joined the church here after we got married, or actually I joined, she was already a member, and um, Malone Dodson was uh, was um, pastor then, and so I really enjoyed coming and, and hearing him right, you know, when we were a young couple, and uh, those of you that know Malone, or that know Malone, you know, he's a, a fantastic, funny, gregarious guy, and he would leave you with a great message. And that really resonated with me and, and probably, like, really linked me initially with Roswell. And that felt that felt good that I enjoyed coming to church, and that got me going. I remember at our rehearsal dinner, uh, Charlotte was not there, uh, but Malone was there. And Malone, being his regular friendly self, uh, said to uh, one of the cute little girls who was a, uh, a bridesmaid, she did not have a date that night, but he was just being friendly, going around talking to different people. And he says to her, I'm alone. And she says, oh, I'm alone too. <laughs> <laughs> so we had to kind of explain the situation to her so that uh get that squared away and, and not have uh, any misunderstandings there. But... <laughs> But he he could roll with the punches, and um, that was that was a very fun thing for him to be involved, and and so um, so connected to our families. And he and Jeff and Laura and Charlotte had been friends for a long time. Actually, um, Malone had married 
Jeff and Laura. Uh, he was at Tuxton Methodist up in Athens, where my mother-in-law's from. But uh, as Tim wrote in the intro, um, a big part of us getting started here at Roswell, too, was um, the Foundations class. And there was a class, we actually had some fraternity brothers um, in this class, uh, Builders, uh, and Builders was a great class. But it had gotten really big, and they were just a notch older than us. So, so I think Sally Dowling and some other folks were like, you know, why don't you guys start a new class? So us and a few others said, okay, we'll we'll do it. We'll we'll fill this thing out and start a new class. And it worked out great. Uh, some really wonderful friendships, like like Tim and Tara and and many others. Um, but um, what I remember about those early days of foundations is, you know, it might be we might go to the Georgia game on a Saturday, get home really late. You know how that Sunday morning is. Oh, do you want to go? I don't know. Catherine would say, I think Bob Fletcher's speaking. Oh, we're there. <laughs> Bob and, and, uh, and others, uh, were, were really instrumental in helping cultivate our class along. And, and Bob, I don't know how many, how many months worth of, of lessons you taught our class, but, um, you were a real piece of, of our class coming together and a real reason why people wanted to come. And I can remember so many really great debates and then the way you would think about things from a different angle, which really caused people to think differently. And um, and I wanted to say thank you this morning for, uh, for the impact you've had on probably a lot more folks than you even realize because that class then gained momentum and continued to have more folks come and uh, be engaged in the church. And so sometimes even when you probably had a few times when there might have only been five people there, I don't know. But um, some of those small early days, uh, it, it takes planting some seeds to, to make those things go. But that was the next big block where I started getting involved in church. And and um, and from that, I brought uh, four different books today that I just wanted to share as, as far as um, things that have influenced me in a, in a pretty significant way. And, and from that foundations group, we actually started having a men's breakfast on Saturday morning. And how many are familiar with Blackaby's Experiencing God? Probably most people, right? Uh, it's it, I think it's one of the most printed Christian books um, that there have been. But this was actually a huge step for me. And actually, I'd always believed in God. I'm not sure I always truly experienced God. And where I needed to be looking for God and listening for God and understanding where I might find God in my daily life. And some of the discussions we had and the studies through this book um, was was a major step forward for me and, and really had me take a pause to understand the role that God could play in my life. And, and that's, a, that's a pretty big step forward from being just sort of like a cursory Christian on the surface going to church and really starting to have a heart for God and really thinking about the role that he can play in your life. And um, and that was a big step, again, uh, an output of that foundations group. So the next uh, big block is something that was uh, pretty controversial uh, in our family. So uh, I haven't talked a lot about Coca-Cola, um, but my career had been going well. I started out, uh, I actually started with Coke uh, during the Olympics in 96 while I was still at Georgia. Uh, it was a temporary job during the Olympics. My job was to, uh, you guys have seen those gigantic two-door coolers that are about this tall. My job was was to lift those coolers onto a dolly and get those suckers into different locker rooms and other places of venues. And uh, and that was a pretty tough job, <laughs> those big refrigerators and then filling the, the vending machines and all that sort of thing uh, during the Olympics. 
And the upside of that is that um, that Coke sent out lots of different professional folks to work those different venues during the Olympics. Well, I got to be friends with these people and was able to have some relationships. And then as I, a couple years later then, uh, came to graduate, uh, had some built-in relationships where they could help with interviews and those types of things. Long story short, uh, I had a couple different opportunities. Um, we were talking earlier about Earl Leonard. Uh, Earl Leonard's a kind of a famous uh, long-term Coke guy that, that managed their governmental relations. And um, he offered me a role, and then I also was offered a, a sales job. And he said, and he was from Atlanta and, and Old South, and he said, Now, Scott, if I were you, I would take that sales job that's very permanent and very has a wonderful path forward. And, and I took that job, and it was good advice. And so anyhow, my career had, had, had done fine. I was asked to move to Memphis uh, for a promotion. Catherine being from here, um, all of her family here, my family here, um, she didn't want to go. And we had a lot of discord about that. Um, it was a it was a challenge for us, and, and uh, I I pushed the topic, and, and we moved, and it it took us a bit to find our way together in our marriage, given that that I was placing a higher priority on this career path, perhaps than the love and, and things of our greater family, but also perhaps what was best for our small family, and we had a lot of discussion about that, and and ultimately it took probably took. Um, took me the hard way of learning. I learned the hard way, but I think I ended up finding a place where I said, coming back to Atlanta, being here close to our families, and having a place where our children could grow up near their grandparents and, and really have a lot of the different things that this church and uh, and our families could provide is probably the right way for us to go. And in fact, um, I had a lot of, I was looking through this blue book here, sort of like my spiritual journal, and I was looking through this and I had some a lot of internal debate about that Memphis move, and, and we then moved on to Arkansas after that. But, um, you know, was that move and, and my selfishness about that, was it purely that? Or was it perhaps a message from God to, that was giving me that experience to really see that, that, that need and priority about raising our children in a, in a very loving way, in a very Christian way that was centered here around this family? And it led me to a place, whether here or there, if that was the case or not, I took the message, and um, and it's gotten us to a place in our marriage and our family where I absolutely now do prioritize our family life and our family love much more so over my career and, and however much money I make or don't make. And that's that's a tough thing for a lot of people to come to grips with that, and um, and, and that's something that I, I feel happy about as far as our journey together. One thing uh, that got us through that period... And this is something we actually also came from our foundation's work, um, is this book, Love and Respect. Anybody ever heard of this book, Love and Respect? This this was a game changer for, for our marriage. And essentially, I give all the credit to my wife on this. The, the crux of the message of this book is a man is looking more or, or just naturally is looking and expects more on the respect side. The female and the wife is looking for love. And once that, once that cycle gets going where the wife shows respect to the, to the husband, the husband then feels a much more strong pull to, to share more love. And that cycle can just get going then. And it basically takes one or the other probably, one of the two partners to like start that cycle. 
and I give Catherine the credit for, for starting that cycle of, of the respect, which then allows me to probably share more love. And, and this has been a, a real, call it cornerstone of, of how we've gotten through some of these hard times mm-hmm. and, and how our marriage is, is really on a solid footing. And it's, it's something I thank God for. And, and again, is a, is an output from this church and our foundations group and, and something that, that we've been able to really leverage. So now that we're home, um, well, I, I should give one other headline too. Whether it be because of my childhood with my dad or, and that's probably the root of it. One thing that I've uh, had a challenge with over my life is, is being content. No matter what I achieved or, or what I was able to accomplish, sometimes I would still have some of that empty feeling. And I'm not ashamed to say that I went to a Christian counselor when we were living in Arkansas to try and deal with that and talk through some of those things. And, and he gave me a book that, uh, is written by a, by quite a guy. Um, Brennan Manning wrote, he's a, um, he's actually an, um, was a Catholic priest, uh, battling alcoholism. And, uh, he wrote this book called The Ragamuffin Gospel. And, uh, I'm gonna read you just a couple things from it because you'll get a sense, um, of, of kind of, he can be a little bit in your face about things. And everybody doesn't necessarily agree with all of his positions on things, but it made me, get to a different place uh, when it came to that gash that I was dealing with and, and how to get to a place of feeling more contentment in my life. But some of the things that, that he writes, a sad Christian is a phony Christian, and a guilty Christian is no Christian at all. And that's something I was dealing with, sadness and, and, and guilt over this or that. And uh, his point is, God accepts us no matter what. His love and forgiveness covers all. And, uh, he comes at it from a lot of different angles, but, um, but that's his, that's his root message. And, um, as I close today, I'm going to share one of the prayers that, that, um, that he, that he has in his book. But, but that was a big, big step for me too, being able to spend that time with that counselor and, um, really understand how I can accept God's love, accept my inadequacies and my failings and the fact that I have failed and will continue to fail. And he loves and forgives me either way. Um, and so then that gets us more towards today. And uh, I was telling John uh, as we ate over breakfast uh, the different things that, that I'm involved in here at the church. And I'm not involved in all that many things here at the church. My wife has, has been on the foundation board and she's going to serve on one of the other boards and so forth. But, um, you know, my involvement has been primarily with our foundations class but I've tried to make a, a really high priority on raising our children and really trying to focus on the love within our family and having that very family-focused, family-centered um, lifestyle. And uh, one of the things that, that has been a real help to me, we have three daughters, as you saw, is this book called Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters. And... One of the things that this doctor talks about is the fact that she's seen, you know, thousands of patients over the course of her career. And it's not actually all that much of a Christian book. She does talk about, um, about the role of a father in introducing your children to faith, modeling faith, those types of things. But the message that, that comes through louder and clearer to me than any other is that there's no greater relationship that molds and shapes a daughter as that of the relationship she has with her father. And we always hear about father-son, but her, her, her suggestion here is that, that the father-daughter relationship uh, has just as much, if not more, 
of an impact on a child, as does uh, like a father-son relationship. And I've um, that's been very important to me to really think about that, really um, have a good family life for my children to grow up in, and, and really think about how we how we shape their future. So, um, you know, those would would be the the key things I'd say as far as my path as we as we've gotten to today. Um, you know, Tim asked me to to share a little bit about um, and, and challenge the group to think about something at our tables to talk about before we uh, before we close for the day. Um, the part I wanted to challenge everybody to to share at their tables. You know, Mike, you talked about the the re soul uh, for next year uh, resolutions that are basically faith based and, and and how we can modify our spiritual life and our spiritual behavior, etc. Um, I'd like to ask. Everybody at each table, if, if you feel comfortable sharing at your table, what that one or two uh, re- resolution might be for uh, for 2016. Um, you know, I, I've talked about some of the things where I've grown uh, here this morning and things I feel like I've been able to, to get to a stronger footing. Um, but I still have lots of challenges. Um, you know, I, I worry a lot about things in the future. I, I still find it difficult to step out on faith and, and do things that are bold as part of my spiritual life. Um, you know, every Sunday when, when someone gets baptized, you know, one of the things is we will so order our lives after the example of Christ. I think about where my priorities lie and where I place my time and, and am I ordering my life after the example of Christ? And, and that's still a challenge that, that I'm still not comfortable that I've achieved that goal of, of really thinking in a heartfelt way about how I get my life ordered correctly. Um, so, just I'm just sharing a few of those things, uh, you know, and I think we all probably struggle. Uh, uh, I forget which uh, which place I drew this from, but ungodly monuments, you know, whether it be achievements, you know, how nice your house is, your title, your jobs, but all the things that call attention to themselves. And unfortunately, when they're used to give self worth, when when you tie up your happiness and and how you feel about yourself in those uh, that would otherwise be worthy pursuits. You know, those are taking God's place, and and that's something that I probably struggle with from time to time too. So I'm just sharing a few of those that are on my long list of of uh, of, of things to tackle in this year and the coming years. But um, it's been a real pleasure talking with you this morning. I, I appreciate the, uh, the the time and and glad to have a chance to to share my story. I, I look forward to hearing others and getting to know others more and. Um, I'm glad to answer any questions about these books or anything else that, that might be of use to you. But um, if we want to just take the next few minutes, we'll have those uh, roundtable discussions about uh, each of our resolutions for this year. Great. Thank you. Uh, what a great way to start a year out. Um, and as we go from here today, focus on some areas that you can make a difference, not only in your own relationship with God, but helping other people in their relationship with God. Uh, Scott, thank you so much for uh, sharing with us uh, this far in your journey. We appreciate that so much. And Scott's going to close us out. And um, thank you again for the opportunity this morning. And um Eric suggested, and I thought it was something very generous and something I'd like to take him up on is, you know, as we close in prayer here, I I would like for us all to maybe say a prayer for my dad. His name is George. And as we continue on our path to try and bring him to the Lord and and allow him to try and take that next step. So um, 
Um, we'll take a, a, a second of silence in there, but if we can bow our heads to pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this group. Thank you for this church. Thank you for this staff and, and all that they mean to us and their, their leadership of our faith walk with you. Um, if we could take a moment and each of us pray silently for a moment for my father, George, as we ask your help, Lord, in bringing him to you, understanding your power and mercy and forgiveness, and ask your blessings on my dad to, to come close to you. Jesus, we are silly sheep who have dared to stand before you and tried to bribe you with our preposterous portfolios. Suddenly we have come to our senses. We are sorry and ask you to forgive us. Give us the grace to admit we are ragamuffins, to embrace our brokenness, to celebrate your mercy when we are at our weakest, to rely on your mercy no matter what we may do. Dear Jesus, gift us to stop grandstanding and trying to get attention, to do the truth quietly without display, to let the dishonesties in our lives fade away, to accept our limitations, to cling to the gospel of grace, and to delight in your love. Amen. Amen.